Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to another edition of Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. The home and away season now done. We move into finals. September action isn't too far away. But on today's edition, we're going to review all the matches in round 20 on today's edition of Around the Waffle. Live from the back chat studios, we've got socials in operation, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up. We really do appreciate it. Paul Persick is my name. It's a great pleasure to be with you on this Tuesday and joining me today is Mark Forey Foreman. Forey, good morning to you, mate. What a season it has been. Home and away games now, but a memory. How good. Yeah, it was amazing. And um, what about the finish with the ladder? Oh. Yeah, four teams on the same amount of points separated by, what was it, 8% in the end, I think. Only so, 8%. And um, of course, uh, East from Mantle only the clear ones on top. Yeah, incredible. So good. And West Perth held up their end of the bargain, which we'll talk about shortly. But they did. Uh, unfortunately for them, um, you know, uh, Claremont didn't drop their game. So, That's right. Uh, West Perth do miss out. But, um, What's yeah. that old saying? They were all dressed up with nowhere to go because they didn't make the five. Yeah, well, exactly. And they were wearing some pretty good clothes too because yeah. uh, they come home with a wet sail. But... Uh, not to be. That's what happens when you leave your run too late. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's really how you'd sum it up for West Perth. They left yeah. their run too late, but they played some very, very good football. They'll be back in 2024. They will. But a team that was, is in the five for 2023 is Claremont, who are looking to complete their mission of grand final redemption. In just a moment, we're going to be speaking to Tia Miles, who had another outstanding game over the weekend against Perth. And we'll also have the casting of the votes for the player of the year. It will finally be announced after 20 long rounds <laughs> of competition. Just a reminder, every game during the finals, is live, free, and in full on the AFL app. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. And Claremont, they have come good at the right time after a late-season slump. Four straight losses before Round 19. Mm. They got the job done. Two good home wins over Swan Districts and Perth over the past weekend. That got them into fifth place. And Tia Miles really was a huge difference, playing a bit of defence and in midfield. And in fact, he's good enough to join us on today's edition of Around the Waffle. Tia, how are you going, mate? Hey, mate. How you going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Going very well. Great to have you here on the show. Very good win for your guys over Perth throughout the weekend. Physical pressure and that run and carry brand proved very, very uh, very strong, in fact, over the last two weeks. And as a matter of fact, very, very solid in that win over Perth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's good to get some form back um, from all the boys uh, heading into the busy end of the year. So, um, no, it's good to finish off the season with two wins and um, looking for some momentum heading into finals. Hey, Tia, always interested to, to hear about the backstories. You obviously had a little bit of time on an AFL list. You now find yourself in WA. What brought you over to, to WA? Um, yeah, so I played a fair bit of uh, VFL over the last eight years or so, and um, I just thought it was ready for a bit of a change. And, mm. um, yeah, I was, I was lucky enough that my dad actually played over at Claremont um, and won the flag over there. And, um, yeah, so sort of the family background and things, and then, once I came over here and met a few of the boys and met some of the coaches, I um, basically made my mind up straight away and that I wanted to move over. And um, yeah, it's been an awesome choice so far. Yeah, fantastic. And you, you seem to be going from strength to strength. You in, enjoying your time in Perth and, and at the Tigers? Yeah, absolutely loving my time over in Perth. And um, yeah, Tigers, Tiger Land is very, very special. 
um, to me and my family. So, um, yeah, they've done nothing wrong so far, and I'm absolutely loving it. Tell us about uh, your father, Jeff Miles, a very talented player in his day, premiership player with Claremont and a former Eagle uh, in the VFL uh, back in those days. Uh, what, what was it like to uh, you know watch your dad play uh, back in those days? Um, yeah, look, I, I was actually too young to watch him play back in those days, but I've seen a fair few highlights of him. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good. It's, um, it's always good to learn off um, someone so close to me, and he was a massive influence um, for me throughout my AFL and VFL career, and, and um, yeah, even since I've been over here, um, been over probably four or five games um, throughout the year, and then um, Mum's been over for the same amount as well. So, um, no, it's very good to have them both over here. And, you, and your form this season has been very reflective as well. Twenty-eight disposals and eight marks in that win over Perth on Saturday. You're coming into some good form at the right time, along with some of your fellow midfielders, Bailey Rogers and Jai Bolton. Saw plenty, plenty of the footy. What's it like to play in tandem with them across the season? Yeah, absolutely. I'm lucky enough to actually live with Jai. So um, we live together and um, I get to see the amount of work that he does on and off the field. And um, yeah, Bailey's hit some really good form um, leading into this back end of the year. So um, he's, he's playing really, really good footy at the moment. And so is everyone, really. Everyone's hopefully hitting the right straps towards um, our first elimination final this weekend. Tia, what keeps you busy away from footy? We know it's a, a pretty tough... Um you know, it's a tough gig to balance your waffle footy as well as life. But, uh, yeah, what keeps yeah. you busy away from footy? Uh, so for work, I actually work for a company called Furniture Gallery, just doing some mm-hmm. furniture deliveries throughout every day. Um, so that's Tuesday through to Friday. Did you say, uh, I get Mondays sorry, off, which is nice. Did you say furniture delivery? Furniture gallery. A gallery, Furniture right. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool, yep. Um, so, yeah, well, I work there four days a week. And then um, I'm actually lucky enough that my mum's sister lives over here, so my auntie and uncle and all my cousins, so I try and catch up with them once or twice a week, and they come to most of my games as well, so um, yeah, I am fairly busy throughout the week, and um, yeah, footy makes it even busier. Yeah, beautiful. Certainly does, a very busy life, but one that's certainly worthwhile. Uh, Tia, thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, We love uh, the form that you're on this season, and uh, the work-life balance uh, that you've got as well keeps you very busy. All the best for the weekend's elimination final against East Perth. Should be a ripper. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Tia Miles from the Claremont Football Club joining us there. Very good balance. Uh, working in furniture gallery and playing waffle, foot, uh, waffle footy. That's not a bad uh, work-life balance to have. Yeah, a couple of nice couches coming his way, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, good way to wind down. No, he's... Um, when I thought... I thought he said furniture delivery. I yeah. thought that is a taxing job <laughs> to work and then go to footy training after. But no. Um, and, and yeah, look, a, a, a great young fella too. So he's... Um, Still got a lot of footy ahead of him, and um, yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely, and his first season of, of WAFL League football as well, mm. coming over from uh, Williamstown, uh, he's really adapted to the WAFL style in such quick time as well, and learnt a lot from uh, from his legendary father, Jeff Miles, uh, a great player in his day. Yeah, and he's got a lot of other um, connections to the AFL as well, I learned. He's, um, I think his sister is married to Mitch Duncan. Correct. So there you go, and uh, I think his cousin also is... Uh, Dylan Buckley, yes. who's got his own podcast as well. Right. And Dylan Friends. Yeah, Dylan Friends used to play for GWS and I think it was Carlton as well, yes. Dylan Buckley. So, um, yeah, it's closely connected and obviously played a, a few AFL games himself, did Tia. But uh, players like him, we've spoken about this, players like him, you know, only enhance the competition. So it's uh, it's really great. And we got to thank them for their access as well. You know, being able to chat to them this year has been, been really fun. Well, we do thank all the clubs for their access across the 2023 WAFL season, and it will continue across the final series. Just a reminder, week one of the finals is coming very shortly. If you can't make it to the game, don't fret. You can catch it live, free, and in full on the AFL app. This is Around the Waffle. You're with Paul Persick and Mark Foreman.
Okay, let's get to the five games for you of the final round of home and away matches. And just before we go to the West Coast South Fremantle game, there's a little bit of housekeeping that we have to tend to. Yeah, go on. Forey, let's trace back to last week. The tip for the game between uh, West Coast and East uh, South Fremantle. I can barely remember yesterday. So you can I'm barely not... remember yesterday. Yeah, well, so what weren't you week? the one that weren't you the one that tipped West Coast to beat South Fremantle? Mm, don't think so. Did I? No, I'm no. Yes, I did yes, actually. Did. And now I realise that now I realise why I was confused. It was actually opposite day. Um, which I... Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it was. I, I can't remember what day opposite, we... Opposite day, my backside, mate. You tipped the Eagles. Yeah, meaning that I... So I tipped the Eagles because I th- obviously thought Souths were going to win. It was opposite day, Oh, Paul. my God. You'll get used to it. It's all right. I I'll... cannot... This is from your weird <laughs> mind that you've got. But let's go on to business. Let's get on with the game. South Fremantle just too good. They finished off on a high. Uh, Brendan Donaldson and Jimmy Miller, again, the difference for South Fremantle is they needed to be up forward. And South Fremantle, tough season for them. But uh, Todd Curley's boys should be happy that they finished off with a win. Yeah, well, they, yeah. You know, great way to finish off. I should clarify, I got caught up in the excitement. You, you know, we were tipping upsets. You, I was very excited about, you know, I tip West Perth and I tip... So, you know, these things, accidents happen. But um, they were pretty good, South Fremantle. And you know what was I found bizarre is that they kick straight. We have not seen that this year no. from many teams. They kick, they had th- uh, 29 shots on goal. 24 of them were goals. It's a so, good conversion rate. Yeah, it's a huge... It's a monstrous score. We've seen this with West Coast before as well. Perhaps some of their... Um, you know, recent performances, teams haven't kicked so straight, made it look a little better. So, um, not so much for Souths. They um, they kicked 24 goals, which is a lot of goals to kick in a match. So. And it's easy to say, you know, it was their best performance because it was against the Eagles. But I think this performance that they had at Mineral Resources Park on the Saturday could be vindictive of where they'll be in the future. You know, because they lost a lot of players. They were injury-written. But also their backs were against the wall from the outset because of the salary cap breach. And I think Todd Curley, I read this in the paper yesterday, that... They really uncovered a lot of good young gems this season. I mean, you talk about the likes of Aaron Drage, who had a great first few games uh, since making his debut. Uh, Aidan Hall's coming into his own as a very good defender midfielder. Riley Colborne, who's been very good. But you've also been able to retain the experience of the likes of Jilly, uh, Jimmy Miller playing in ruck and up forward, and Brendan Donaldson playing that uh, vital swing role in the forward 50. Yeah, and kick four goals as well, mm-hmm. did Brendan Donaldson. They, uh, Sorry, Brandon Donaldson. They had... um. Uh, seven multiple goal kickers, so they they shared it round a lot, and then they had a few kick, you know, individuals as well. So they were good, and that's what what you're just saying. That's what you want when you when you can't make the finals, uh, which was obviously a long way out. We knew that from uh, for South. So uh, what do you get from the season? It's th- things like that, you know, the development of young players and um, being able to explore different positions for certain guys. So I, I think they've got a lot out of the back end. Todd Curley will be stoked with that, and um, they can take a lot into next year. For the West Coast Eagles, first winless season since 1999. But having said that, they can uh, take solace in the fact that they unearthed as well some good players as well. Greg Clark coming back midway through the season, saw plenty of the football in his games. Rhett Bazo, he had a bit of a downer uh, on, against South Fremantle on Saturday, but he played some good football. Uh, also, Callum Jameson in the ruck, he's, he's showing a lot of potential as well as uh, Zane True. And Isaiah Winder, of course, uh, on the AFL list as well. Nine marks for Winder in that game on Saturday. Yeah, so... Look, it's it's been a, a torrid season for West Coast in, in both the AFL and the WAFL. And when you get absolutely hammered by injuries, this is what's going to happen. So um, we've had a lot of guys playing. And, you know, we've had a lot of amateur footballers coming in to fill the void for West Coast. I think there's a few things to explore there as well. It's worthwhile, you know, um, probably 
giving West Coast the option to perhaps raise the cap a little bit, I, like I think, because that will allow them to bring in some higher quality players to sort of avoid uh, these depth issues. Um, but yeah, you're right. They had some good performers this year. So um, Greg Clark found a lot of the footy at Waffle level. Um, he's sort of stuck in that little in between. You know, he, he hasn't had probably the performances that West Coast had hoped at AFL level, but he's doing everything he needs to at WAFL. Um, a, a few other players as well has been really good. And look, even though I did mention a couple of times that, you know, they are amateur players, um, they've uncovered some gems. Like Joey Deegan, he's, he's been really good this year. Um, and is a player that, you know, is certainly of waffle quality. Um, so, yeah, look, they battled manfully. Uh, they, they hung in there. Of course, there were a few results that were pretty ugly, but um, that's going to happen. And we know the reasons, and I think West Coast will go from strength to strength. Well, the future okay. certainly should look bright for the uh, for the Eagles in 2024 with the players that they have uh, yeah. they've unearthed. Now we go to the next game, Re- uh, Revo Fitness Stadium, uh, Claremont and Perth on the Saturday. Claremont they needed to beat Perth to seal fifth place. They did that emphatically, 13-12 to six five. And again, it was the likes of Rogers, Bolton, and Miles coming into form at the right time that got the job done. Yeah, they've got some uh, they've got some quality players like Bailey Rogers to have twenty nine and kick four, um, and, and he had I think it was a yeah eleven inside fifties as well like that 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 was an incredible game from him. Jai Bolton found a lot of the footy couldn't, game one fifty as well for Jai. Yeah, unfortunately couldn't celebrate with a goal. He missed a couple, but uh, Claremont had this one done. Oh, look, pretty much at quarter time, five goals to one in that first quarter. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the previews on on uh, Thursday, obviously, but I, I, I'm not like I'm not excited about what Claremont's doing. Sorry, um, but you know, I, they just like they should have beaten Perth. They did, but you know, leading up, it's just been very confusing. Yeah, um, the, f- the four straight losses yeah. midway through uh, during the late stage in the season, you know, were very confusing. It was very unClaremont like with the brand that they were playing, and also their inability to convert in front of goal during those games. But they did get it together. They got it together through their midfield in particular. I've yeah. liked their midfield over the last two weeks a lot more than the four weeks beforehand, and especially when you have Bolton in form, Miles Edwards as well, who's starting off uh, as a rover in the last couple of weeks. Jack Lucy playing a bit down back as well, but also you have a very good forward line that even if some of your key forwards aren't firing, then you've got some new forwards that have been blooded in who can impact the scoreboard. Kieran Gowdy, case in point, three goals straight from uh, from 10 disposals. On the other hand, for the Perth Football Club, another disappointing loss for them, but they did keep Claremont in check for just a little bit. So Sam Stubbs, in particular, three goals. He had another good day out to finish the season. Liam Delamata, who came back into the side, saw plenty of the footy. And Corey Byrne as well, making uh, his usual impact. But uh, Charlie Thompson finishing off the season with a flourish as well, 27. But again, it's just that continuity and that consistency that was missing from Perth. But we didn't expect success straight away for the Perth Football Club. You know, Peter German coming in, first season and what has been touted as a long rebuild. Yeah, and, you know, same thing with what we spoke about with South Fremantle. So Perth were missing the finals from a long way out. So um, these are the sort of things that they needed to focus on. And, um, oh, look, they weren't disgraced. It's a, it's a pretty big margin in the end. Like, what is that? 49. 40, yeah, 49 points. So, um, but um, in the second half, six goals to four, you know, so a bit of an arm wrestle in that second half and, and they were able to sort of hold them. But the game was done at half time. So, uh, yeah, look. All you can do is um, win the games that are put in front of you. So Claremont did that. But um, I, like, I think you're right. Perth's been able to uncover a few 
uh, really good players. And um, they've also experimented with a, a few players back and forth as well. So um, things to take forward next year. I don't particularly think that they'll play... Uh, I don't think they'll play finals next year, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Well, they'll so. get close, I reckon. They'll get close to maybe a sixth or seventh place yeah. finish at least next year if they can keep uh, this current formula. But, uh, you know, get a few more top players to really bolster the squad. Now we go to the third game uh, down at uh, Steel Blue Oval, the last home game for Swan Districts against Peel Thunder. And Peel Thunder, they sealed themselves the double chance. Third place with a 10-point win over a late-charging Swans, 12-11 to 10-13. And I have to say, the leading spark for that was uh, one of their leading goal kickers, uh, Josh Corbett, in the second half as well. He sparked the Thunder charge into that uh, second half. Yeah, he's a good presence, Josh Corbett. Um, And, you know, he's had a little bit of exposure in in the AFL this year. And uh, to kick five is, you know, is impressive. And he certainly did spark them. He took, like you said, 12 marks. He was an absolute presence. So... Uh, they had the uh, the living daylight scared out of them at quarter time, you know, so as we expected and predicted. I think, luckily, again, it was opposite day. I think I tipped Swans. So, um, obviously, Here we go with the opposite day. Thing obviously, again. I meant Peel Thunder. So, just to clarify that um, with you, so I, so I must have got four out of five, I reckon. I don't think uh, some of the listeners will buy that opposite day explanation, but get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, quarter time, uh, Swans, you know, three goals to one. Um, Peel's kicked six goals to two in that second quarter. So... Uh, that for me, that's the sign of a you know a, a really strong team when when you're challenged and you respond immediately. Like it didn't, they didn't rest on their laurels. Not that you're ever going to sit and wait and oh, we'll, you know, we'll come in the second half. But you've still got a lot at stake, especially when you're fighting for a final spot yeah. and even the double chance. Yeah, exactly right. And so that's what they did. They um they put the the accelerator down and were able to do what needed to be done. But um, credit to Swans, they've. You know, this back half, what they've built throughout the back half of the season has been awesome. And um, uh, like West Perth, I reckon that they'll be a bit disappointed that they've left their run real late. Absolutely, especially when you have uh, Jesse Turner seeing plenty of the football. He led the charge in midfield. Aiden Clark continuing his great form, 31 possessions. Uh, Jackson McLaughlin, good young midfielder, first full season of Waffle Footy. He's starting to grow in skill and maturity as a fine footballer. Really loved his work uh, across uh, the second half of the season. And two goals each to Lachlan Riley and Josh Sipro in uh, in a losing effort for the Swans. And the Golden Grunt, that was also one of the big <laughs> yes. stories that was at this game. The last one for the year. Uh, what did your inside sources for you say that who could take out the Golden Grunt on Saturday? Yeah, had a good chat. So this is groundbreaking. I tell you, there's a first, a first. in the Golden Grunt Ooh. in that they shared it. Oh, the it tie. was a shared award. So they gave it to uh, Jackson McLaughlin, who, as you said, found a lot of the footy, but they loved his in and under grunt work. Yes. Pardon the pun, although that's literally what they said. Uh, and Jeb O'Donoghue, who they said yes. um, had some, you know, some really impactful um, moments um, and also stood up for his teammates. So I'm told that there was a, a bit of biff. There's been a few suspensions, uh, a few charges laid out of this game because uh, the Spaniard, Josh Cipro, I, I've just made that up. I mean, Cipro sounds Spanish to me, but um, he had his head sort of pulverized into the ground, which started a, a bit of a fracas. Yes. So um, Jeb O'Donoghue was <laughs> one of the ones I think I saw that's been charged. But, um, you know, and that also, like, not that. We're condoning, you know, melees or whatever, but um, Swan, they, you could see there was a bit of unity starting to was. to happen, and um, so yeah, the the golden grunt, the final golden grunt of 2023, went to uh, a shared award between Jebo Donahue and Jackson McLaughlin, and I'm told that when they announced McLaughlin, there was a massive roar, and he's a very popular figure down there at Bassendean. So, 
Um, look, they had a, a great finish to the season. Um, there is one little bit of news to come out of this, which is really unfortunate in that um, the, the man we've been talking about a lot, Tom Edwards, mm. um, he has a knee concern. That is right. Unfortunately, that was a knee concern, uh, which is uh, a huge blow for Swan Dish, especially for their plans for next year. So I'm unsure at the moment if it's confirmed as an, is it confirmed as an ACL? It's not confirmed at right. the present time, so the, but uh, once we get uh, more information, we'll make yeah. it available. And that's what, so the fears are, this is what I'm being told, that the fears are that it is an ACL, which is the most horrible timing because yeah. that would mean pretty much he misses all of next season. That's right. With a 12-month recovery period. He's one that was not out of the question for a, you know, a mid-season draft pick That's or right. a, or a, even a rookie list spot. So um, that's horrible news. So we're really crossing our fingers for um, Tom Edwards, who once again was finding the footy in the first quarter and then early in the second quarter. He was incredible throughout the yeah. second half of the season. You know, he was a yeah. real match winner for a lot of those games late in the season. And oh. uh, we do wish all the best for uh, Tommy Edwards in his recovery. Now we go to the final two games, the later games, the Perth Derby. My golly, it was back and forth footy at its best north of the river. West Perth, they needed to win. They lifted their end of the bargain. But as we said at the beginning, they were all dressed up with nowhere to go because they didn't make the five. And I'm, I'm going to go to East Perth, first of all, for this yep. game. I reckon this loss will serve as a good wake-up call for them, a real kick up the backside that Ross McQueen's boys needed because they know they made the finals, but they needed a nice little reality <laughs> check and they got it, and hopefully this will fire them up for the elimination final. Uh, yeah. You, look, you always hear stories like this, like, oh, is this the loss we needed or whatever? But um, I, they would have been under no um, doubt that the team in West Perth they were coming up against was quality. Their finals quality, in my yeah. opinion, um, who haven't made the finals. Um, so, oh, look, a kick up the backside, maybe, but, um, also I suppose with the guarantee of finals, um, you know, it was a, a good opportunity to come up against, uh, to play an early final. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, because it was finals like intensity West Perth. It was an elimination final for them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, even though they won, they, I couldn't do it, but um, really, it's they're the, probably the biggest losers of the weekend, East Perth. Yeah, because um, that's cost them the double yeah, chance even exactly to host right. the qualifying final because they drop down to fourth and have yeah. to host a sudden death final as a result. So they drop, yeah. So they that's why they're the biggest losers. They drop out of that double chance, um, and they now have to do it the hard way. Mm. However, um, they have the team to do it, so they're probably the team that you know if they dropped out of that top three that. I felt could still could still play a really strong part. So um, with that midfield they've got, um, don't rule them out. Yeah, their midfield is good, but I have to say there's a few suspicions about their forward line and their back mm. line. You know, they, it's that missing piece of the puzzle that they need to get together for that final on uh, the Sunday. But from West Perth's point of view, they had their usual suspects firing. Luke Meadows, outstanding. He's had a great second half of the season. Uh, Shane Nelson, 35 possessions. Aiden Lynch, 11 marks as well. And Sasha Kernett, we didn't expect him to be in amongst the big goal kickers in, uh, in this game. He kicked five goals straight from 13 kicks. Uh, he was a real difference up forward. And uh, especially in the last quarter when East Perth they were like 52 points down at one stage and they got up to within four and Sasha Kernan and the likes of Tyler Kytil were the, the late heroes for a West Perth in that game. Yeah, I mean, couldn't tell you a thing about him. <laughs> he sort of popped up and, um, uh, you know, that's a great performance against a, a really good team to kick five and, um, have, you know, have that presence up forward um, is, is awesome. And, um, you know, I noticed it was at half time. you know, that game was sort of, basically almost done and then East Perth come out and bang slam on eight goals in the third quarter to as you said set the game alight um which is cool but then 
you, you get that response from from West Perth. So yeah, some of those veterans stood up. Shane Nelson found found the footy as he's done for mm. wow well, ten plus years, and um, you know they like they had the the impact of Zach Warden and down down back or across half back and providing that presence as well. So and Luke Meadows, like you said, you know able to find the footy. It was. Um, it was great to see, and it must just be so frustrating for them to, to be playing this sort of footy at the end of the year. But Six wins in a row to yep. finish off and not make the five. Yep, and to fall short. So you, you can't imagine, um, yeah, just how frustrating that must be. But um, sure, they forgot all about that yesterday at Mad Monday, and uh, they'll move forward. <laughs> and also, we do say congratulations to Darren Harris as well. That was mm. his last game as, uh, as West Perth coach, but uh, hopefully he won't be lost to the game completely. Good coach, great bloke as well, and uh, we do wish him all the best in how, his next chapter. How long was he at the helm for? He, he was in a uh, second stint at West Perth for two yeah. years. He came okay. in at the start of 2022, won a premiership, and uh, now was part of a succession plan. And Jason Salisic, who's currently the reserves coach, yep. will take over as lead coach in 2024. Yeah, the old number two for West Perth, Absolutely. I think he was. Um, yep. No, look, and I reckon to an extent it, it plays, it's even more important at waffle level um, that you have players who perhaps played for the club or um, have a strong affiliation. And Jason Salasic was a, you know, a fantastic player for West was, Perth yeah. over so many years. I remember going to the footy with dad and watching him when I was a young tacker. And so when you have that passion for the club, you not to say that it's, it's not an absolute prerequisite, but it, it probably helps. So they'll be excited to get him in and, yeah, Darren Harris, he is a good guy. I remember he did a bit of work at North Beach when I was still playing there. So yeah. um, a fantastic coach. Like he knows the game inside out, but also, more importantly, knows how to manage people. So um, a loss for West Perth, but uh, yeah, good, exciting for Jason Salisic coming in. Certainly will be. Now let's go to the final game of round 20. Lead of a Oval, back and forth footy. Subi were in control for the first half. East Fremantle came back in the third quarter. It was all square and then... A monstrous final turn for East Fremantle. Nine goals to <laughs> one in the last quarter. Set up a 50-point win over Subiaco and top spot on the ladder. Yeah. So you j- I would love to have been a fly on the wall at the three-quarter time huddle. You know, it's like, all right, guys, you know, like this is our chance to stamp our authority. And didn't they do that? Oh, like, they certainly did. That's incredible. Nine goals in a in a quarter of, of WAFL footy. So, um yeah, scared the living daylights out of Subi, who would have thought, you know, we're taking it up to the top team. And then, um, yeah, they've sort of lapsed in a quarter, not to take anything away from East Fremantle, but that is, um, that's incredible. The yeah. ninth straight winners well on end, heading into the finals. And of course, they'll get the week off for the uh, second semi final on the 9th of September. And they had. Plenty of stars that really lifted in that last quarter. Fraser Turner, again outstanding. I mean, I've just loved his form across the season in midfield. Eight marks as well to go with his 27 touches. Ruben Maguire was a bit down in the ruck, but he shared that ruck load with uh, Hugh Dixon, uh, who uh, kicked three goals uh, straight. Braden Lawler, former Peel player, five goals for him. And uh, every one of that East Fremantle side, they were down in the first three quarters, but they lifted up a notch in their intensity and their work rate in that last quarter. They were outstanding. What a side. Yeah, well, absolutely what a side. And they've created a little bit of history for themselves. I think uh, first time in 25 years. 1998. Yeah. Yeah, they've taken out the minor premiership, and um, those players are, you know, huge, um, as- uh, huge factors in doing that. Um, and right, you know, they've earned it, rightly so. You, you win nine in a row, and um, you, yeah, they put themselves up there. And um, you know, Braden Lawler, I think, was playing. Uh, did he play a bit of amateurs football? I think last year yeah. or a couple of years ago, and, and with Peel Thunder as well. Yeah, um, he's 
yeah, a fantastic player. Um, and, and to see him excelling at this level is, it, you know, no surprise to, to many of us. But um, again, sharing the goals around and, um, you know, multiple goal kickers too. So Schoenfeld uh, as well. He's yep. a bit, bit unheralded uh, across the season, uh, Josh Schoenfeld. But uh, four goals for him and uh, 24 disposals and seven marks. Saw his way around the football yeah. uh, incredibly. Subiaco. A couple of their key players were down. I'm going to be blunt. I mean, yep. especially in the last quarter. Ben Sokol, again, held goalless. He was mm. held uh, quite well all day. Uh, Zach Clark, he dominated in the ruck. But like a lot of the Subiaco players, fell away during the later stages in the third quarter and throughout the fourth as well. And that's what really fell apart. It's just that continuity, that link, it just stopped for Subiaco because they were leading convincingly at one stage. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I think they were up by... How many points was it? They were up by some 15, 20 points yeah, in the second quarter. Well, you can see it quarter time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Is it a worry? I don't know. Um, I don't think it should be. I mean, prob- Subiaco is still, you know, one of the premiership fancies heading yeah. into the finals. Yeah, they are. And But, you know, you do worry that if they sort of shut down guys like Ben Sokol, you know, where's their avenue to go? Um, but they're a good side, so they, they'll figure that out. And, and look, they've got some quality players like we saw you know, Jake South kicked a couple and, and Ryan Borchet got, uh, he kicked three. But um, I, what I did notice was um, Zach Clark. I think this is going to be a key for teams that play Subiaco, which we'll get to the preview on um, on, on Thursday. But um, whilst he did dominate the hitouts, he wasn't as prolific around the ground. That's so, right, yeah. You know, maybe trying to quell that influence, I think is going to be a huge focus for, for other teams. So they were down a little, um, and then obviously the, the the bad news for them is Taj Schofield, yes. who um, has copped an injury. I don't know. Do you know what that injury was? I wasn't at that game, no, but so, uh, we'll have to confirm uh, on Thursday yeah, uh, come se- the uh, finals preview. I was sent a message to say that Subi will be without Taj Schofield. So, um, we look, we, we will confirm that, but, um, you know, that's, that's a big loss as well. It so, certainly is. And, and probably played its role in, in you know... Not being able to sort of handle the Sharks is an important player. Congratulations to the Sharks. Nonetheless, 50-point winners on Saturday. Now to the ladder. After 20 rounds of home and away matches, East Fremantle on top of the ladder and well-deserved too. Their first minor premiership in 25 years. Subiaco, two games behind, but of course, four teams in that five, all tied on 48 points. Subiaco, Peel Thunder, East Perth and Claremont making up the final five. West Perth just missing out. One game behind. Swan Districts in seventh and making up the bottom half. South Fremantle, Perth, and the West Coast Eagles after 20 rounds of waffle football in 2023. Ten teams started, five go out, and five remain. Just a reminder, finals week one. Both games, live, free, and in full on the AFL app. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. All right, Forey, for the final time this year, Yay. the casting of votes for the player of the year. Who's it going to be? Well, we'll find out. We'll go through these quickly. Uh, one vote, Jimmy Miller of South Fremantle. Uh, four goals, five inside 50s. Again, his versatility on show against the Eagles on Saturday. Two votes, Sasha Kernett for West Perth. Five goals. He really popped up out of the blue as, uh, mm. as that key forward yeah. for West Perth when it mattered. Three votes, Fraser Turner of East Fremantle. 27 well. disposals, eight marks. Played very, very well, uh, Loved his form across the season. Number four, four votes. Bailey Rogers of Claremont. Four goals and 29 disposals. Brilliant all-round performance. And the around-the-waffle top gun of round 20, Josh Corbett of mm-hmm. Peel Thunder. Five goals, really sparking that Peel Thunder revival in the second quarter and holding off uh, that Swan District's charge. He kicked goals all at such crucial times. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, you know, contextually, that... Uh, you know, earns you a lot of votes and to, to stand up when, when they needed him was really important. So I can support that. 
Paul, I'm, yep, understanding of your five votes. So what's that mean? Who, so who's got it? Well, let's go to the leaderboard. We'll go from 10 through to the winner. 10th, Hamish Brayshaw on eight votes. Equal on eighth on nine is Luke Meadows and Milan Murdoch. Seventh on 10 votes is Mitch Crowden. Sixth with 11 votes is Jarvis Pina. Fifth with 12 is uh, Tyler Keitel of West Perth. Fourth on 13 votes is Fraser Turner. Third on 15 is Jai Bolton of Claremont. In second, Zach Clark of Subiaco on 16. And I have the absolute pleasure to announce that the Around the Waffle Player of the Year for 2023 is Aiden Clark of Swan Districts. Congratulations, Aiden. We're a very well, a well done, Aiden, across uh, the 2023 season. That's just, I mean, applause from all in sundry. Uh, no, well done. He's, uh, he's a. Yeah, he had a cracking season. I'm stoked about that. Little Swan. I can't wait to tell my uh, my Bassendine sources that. Uh, uh, Aiden Clark and, and the Swans have taken home that. Um, and again, you know, one of many who's been such an improve, or such a, a a key role, played a key role for Swan Districts, and you know they'll go from strength to strength next year as well. I wonder what we'll uh, we'll send Aiden Clark for his award. Maybe some back chat ale or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, speak to Scoey about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak to him and uh, and Dan during the week. See if we can uh, give Aiden Clark some back chat ale as uh, award for Player of the Year. Send him a bunch of flowers or something. He'll, <laughs> Maybe he'll appreciate that. Maybe <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But uh, well done, Aiden, Player of the Year for 2023. That does it for today's edition of Around the Waffle. It's been a monstrous one, I'll say. It but has. the big build to the finals is going to be monstrous for you. I'll see you Thursday. Look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. And we look forward to your company, viewers and listeners, on Thursday for our finals preview. September action is here. We can't wait for it. Just a reminder, we're on socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up. We really do appreciate it. And you can catch us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to your company on Thursday to preview week one of the finals. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.